your word If you said it, we believe it If you said it, we believe it Cause you're a man of your word If you said it, we believe it If you said it, we believe it your name of your word. Oh, our hearts always hunger for Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your here. Our weakness you find us bowing before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the Hearts always hunger for Oh, our hearts always hunger for Repeat the chorus You are the one that we praise You are the one we adore You give the healing and grace Hearts always hungerful. Oh, our hearts always hungerful. Oh, sorry. And then jump to the end where it says, Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, so here's the ending. Um, jump up to the chorus, the last line. Um, Oh, our hearts always hunger for two, three. Jump down to the end. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Yeah, so um, that G will hold for three beats, three counts, and then we'll jump down to the end and um, just play that last line again. Or, I mean, you could just repeat the the line that we just played <laughs> if it's easier for you. It's easier for me to look down below, but, yeah. And we'll play it. We'll kind of rubato that ending. Okay, make sense? Okay. Yeah, okay. I love the, the sound of the music. It's just so nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. really can't hear it that well over here. Oh, yeah.
Um, so, so our last song is going to be. Okay, that would be why. <laughs> What's the other song you guys have? Overcome. You have overcome, right? Unfortunately, no. Oh, okay. No. Okay, here's what we'll do. I can just sit Okay, so it's it's um it's okay. It's it's like nine forty five, so we'll skip overcome. This this'll be our set. Um so Kim, we're gonna do a little different order. We're gonna start with um Isn't it the same progression as uh as man of your word? Um Yeah. It's okay. I don't I don't think we'll get to it. Like we haven't really been getting to you know, we've been ending with one song. If if we need another song at the end, we'll just repeat every praise. Um or we could do Father's House if you guys remember that from last week. No? Okay. <laughs> All right. And I was Do you still have it on your Okay, don't worry about it. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'll fly away, every praise, um, wonderful, merciful Savior, and then right after the sermon, man of your word. And then if we need a final song, we're just going to do um, every praise again. So, all right, that's our set. And I'm going to move my music around, and then we're going to... Check, check, check. Oh, that's okay.
check, check. Cash, check, check. Check on, check on. Good morning. Check, check. Check, one, two, check, 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 check. Check, check, one, check, one. And this is number seven of 12. And the reason we're on this series is getting things in order is fine, but that's not the reason God came. God didn't come here to just help us get our lives in order. He came to give us a purpose to do something. We can get everything all set up. When I work on my Volkswagen, I get all of my tools ready. and I get everything all set up. But then what if I just walked away and didn't work on the car? Uh, 
it's a part-time job keeping that car running, by the way. And so I'm always doing something, but just getting things in order doesn't do anything. And when Jesus forgives our sins, he gives us order, but that doesn't mean we're doing what he wants us to do with our lives. And so we're getting beyond order here. We're looking at our actual calling in life. And we're going to look at Romans 8 today. And this is uh, part number seven of our series. And the theme is this, work as hard as you possibly can on at least one thing. There's that word one again. And see what happens. We, uh, we were talking earlier in the prayer meeting, and uh, John, who's leading worship over at the Methodist Church today, came in and prayed for us. And he was talking about how he's living the dream because he's up there retired and playing music and just really enjoying life. And a lot of us have fantasies that we could play music someday. How many of you are like me and you can play air guitar, but that's about it? You know, you just you, you wish you could do those things. And it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of focus to learn to do what Jen was doing up here or to learn to do what uh, any of the musicians were here doing. Thousands of hours of practice goes into what you just saw up here to be able to make those strings do what they do and to, to make that work. I've got a picture here of Mount Everest on the screen. And the reason I have it there is because people have said that the book of Romans is the Himalayas of the New Testament and Romans 8 is Mount Everest. It's about as good as the Bible gets. So we're going to focus on the most focused chapter in the Bible. But as I said before, we're living in a very distracted age. I've, I'm sure you've seen this too. Have you seen people sitting around a dinner table out to eat and texting each other while they're there? That's just, a, it does happen. I think, wow, you just could talk to each other. But we're living in such a distracted age and we've got these, these beepers and buzzers going off all around us. And my wife has a little little watch that actually tells her when something's coming in on her phone. I'm thinking, ooh, I don't want that because if I had that, I would just be completely out to lunch and never figure out what day it is. We live in a very distracted, distracted time. And so focus takes even more discipline to, to make sure that we don't waste the time that we have. Also, I want to talk a little bit about something which sounds weird to North Americans, but that's demons. And Jesus cast out demons all over the place. Just If he had a tax form and he was coming to, to John Ellis here to get his taxes done, he would have to put on the tax form occupation, teacher, healer, exorcist. You know, he did a lot of that. He was always casting out unclean spirits. And people say, well, Christians don't have to worry about unclean spirits. I'm saying, if you're an unclean spirit, who are you going to bother? You're going to bother the Christians. We're, we're kind of on the front line. And of course, we're going to get shot at. And those of us who are believers often deal with what I would call demons. And they don't have to be Hollywood. People think, oh, you know, the Exorcist movie and Hollywood and screaming and crosses and crucifixes and horrible stuff, heads spinning around. It's, it's not about that. Because we all deal with impulses, emotions, and fragmented parts of our personality, bad sectors, that grab the steering wheel of our lives from time to time. And they keep us from focusing on what we're really supposed to be focusing on. And I know demons is kind of a strong word for those kind of impulses, but really that's kind of what they are. These are, these are impulses that, that take control of what we're doing. Who here has gotten really emotional in the last few months and said and did things you didn't 
wish you hadn't said. You, you get you get all worked up in an argument, or you do you get, and all this stuff takes over. And who's got the steering wheel? It's not the Holy Spirit. Whoever's got the whole, you know, what's happening here is we're being bothered by what you can call. If you don't want to call it a demon, don't call it a demon. But really, it kind of is. These inner demons that, that grab the steering wheel. And we all have those things we have to wrestle with and fight with. Because when the demon has the steering wheel, by definition, the Holy Spirit doesn't. And we lose our focus. And we lose our single-mindedness. And we become double-minded. A lot of us walk around with a non-integrated personality. We walk around with a personality that's not together. You ever been around people that just feel like they're together? It's, it's fun to be around them because they have their act together. And it takes decades to get there. It's really hard to be a kind of together person. I love it when I'm around older people that sort of have that sense of being together. And I want to become one of those people at some point. But we have to integrate. And to integrate, we have to become unified and focused on what we're about and what it is we are doing to focus on that one thing. So before we get into Romans 8, I want you to look at a picture which I show you often. This is the biblical view of a human being. This is what Jewish people saw the human being as consisting of. They would describe a human being as having three floors in a house. You are your house and that house has three floors. And that part of you that's paying attention to me right now or not is the second floor. That's the part of you that's conscious. That's the decision maker. That's the bridge of the worship. That's where the steering wheel is. That's where decisions are made. That is where your heart is, your mind is, your emotions, your soul, the whole thing. This is, this is uh, the decider, the part of you that is conscious. And we have no idea. Science has no idea what human consciousness is. It's an absolute mystery. They call it the hard problem of philosophy. How can something which is physical have consciousness, which doesn't seem to be physical? It's a very strange thing. You're looking out at this world right now, and there it is in front of you. And what is that thing that is you? Your cells and your body completely change every seven years. So seven years ago, if we were to put your seven years ago person next to you, all of those cells are gone, have been replaced by new cells. And yet you still think of yourself as that person. There's been a lot of change and a lot of things have happened, but there is a unity of consciousness in our minds. And that's what lives on the second floor. And in Romans 8, it's basically a battle between whether you on the second floor are going to pay attention to the third floor or the first floor. Joyce Meyer wrote a fantastic book on this called The Battlefield of the Mind. The battle is in the mind. The battle is on the second floor. Which voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to let the demons grab the wheel or are we going to let the Holy Spirit guide us. And that is something we deal with every single day. Where did distractions come from? They come from the first floor. Distractions come from the first floor and focus, God who is one, his voice comes from the third floor. And the question is, is when you're steering through your life, are you going to be paying attention to the third floor or the first floor? This is the entire theme of Romans 8, living by the flesh or living by the spirit. And it's something we have to commit to every day because it doesn't stay committed. You could be really focused on one day and the next day you're just thinking, where did that day go? Do you ever get to the end of a day and you think, what did I do today? And you can't even really put your mind, you can't put your finger on what it is you did because you were distracted the whole day. It happens to me all the time. I think, well, you'll say, well, what did you do today? I'm thinking, I don't know. I was busy, but it must not have been important. So there's a lot of things we do that don't really count in terms of focus. 
And the people that really get somewhere in life are people who have focused goals. They focus on things, and especially if those focused goals come from the Lord, because there's guidance and power that comes from that. Who thinks this is an important issue that we deal with every day? How are we going to put together our tasks? How are we going to put together our to-do list? How are we going to make things happen? So the first floor is flesh and distraction. The third floor is the Holy Spirit and your calling. I love the word vocation. It's a Latin word for calling. Calling implies a caller. God is calling us into this world. What is he calling us to do? What is he calling us to, to focus on? And the Holy Spirit isn't going to bring confusion. He's not going to say, focus on these 17 things. He's going to say, okay, today we're going to focus on this. And maybe one other thing if we get to it. And we're going to make sure that those things happen. So focus is the key to everything. And we have a choice as to whether we're going to live our life completely distracted or focused and actually getting something done for the Lord. And it doesn't have to be churchy. It doesn't have to be in church, it might be that you're going to develop a brand new nut and bolt that will make the other ones obsolete. It'll be great, and you'll produce that, and you'll put 40,000 people to work putting these things together. It doesn't have to be a church thing. What we're focused on is so important, and there's no retirement from this, people. I, I would love to get to the point where I don't have to be anywhere at any given time, and that somehow I've got my finances set up so that that'll work. But the idea that we're just going to relax and play golf and go on cruises, when you're just getting good at stuff, it takes a while to get good at stuff. It, it, we're just barely figuring stuff out at 60 and 70 sometimes. The idea that we're just going to just, okay, I'm just from now on, I'm just going to watch ESPN. I mean, that's not the point. We need to be getting better at focus as we get older, not just letting it go. It's never too late to get focused. So, Looking at that three-story house, Jesus says in Luke eleven seventeen that a house divided cannot stand. If we are divided, if that house is divided in our attention, are we focusing on the flesh or are we focusing on the spirit? If that, if that house is a house divided, it's not going to get anywhere. And you and I have all spent days where the house is divided and we get nothing done. And we don't really move forward in life, and we can easily lose a decade, a house divided. So we've got a Bible passage here. This is Philippians 3.14. This is Paul writing. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. He's looking at which floor? It's not a rhetorical question. He's looking at the third floor, the upward call, the calling, calling forth into the world from the Holy Spirit. I'm looking forward to that one voice. One voice, one call. God isn't going to call us into confusion. God calls us into focus. What did Jesus say about his life? He says, I just do what I hear the Father telling me what to do. He's actually listening for the voice of the Father and doing those things. And in doing those things, he got more done in three years than most of us get done in 300 because he spent the whole time focused spent the whole time doing what the, what the father told him to do. I was in Ethiopia on a missions trip and uh, had a wonderful time there. And the Ethiopians had a lot of proverbs. They, they write these little proverbs that they all use in conversation all the time. And one of them was this. You know, if you dig a hundred holes one foot deep, you never get water. I found that to be just 
an absolutely great quote. I've remembered it ever since. It's been like 15, 20 years since I first heard that. But if you dig a hundred holes a foot deep, you don't get any water. There's some things we just have to let go of in life. I grew up in a golfing family. Uh, that's what we did together. And when I moved out of the house, I realized I don't like golf. I never liked golf. I, I just, I'm sure this will shock you, but it's hard for me to stay focused for 18 holes. And so just to, to stay on the game, it was, it was challenging. And this, you're stuck with the same three people for four hours and the whole deal. It just, and you're knocking this ball around, shooting it for a hole. Now, people, I understand it's a great game. I just don't get it. But it was such a relief to get rid of my golf clubs because I realized I'd golfed two or 300 times and I never liked it. But sometimes we, have to, we think we have to keep things going. I met with the best man of my, at, my, uh, at my wedding here last week. We went out for dinner at the Longboard. He's down here from Seattle. And uh, he says, you still play trombone? I said, no, got rid of that. I'm not saying you can't play trombone. I'm saying there's a lot of things we need to let go of. I don't have to continue practicing trombone. I don't have to try to master golf. I never liked it in the first place. Uh, and golf or trombone might be your focus. That's fine. I'm just saying, don't have 15 different things in 100 holes you're digging. Because if we're digging 100 holes trying to be good at everything, we'll never get good at anything, and we'll never get any water. And a lot of our lives are like that. We're trying to do too many things. We, we can only focus on so many things. Next Bible passage I have here is Isaiah 50, verse 7. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I shall not be put to shame. Setting your face like flint. And Jesus quotes this in Luke 9, 51, and he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. He was focused on finishing his work in Jerusalem on the cross and the resurrection. He was focused on doing it, and he set his face to go there. Paul set his face to go to Rome. What was Moses focused on? The entire time of the Exodus was the promised land. And that was his one thing, his one thing that he really focused on. This is why it's really important to find that best friend or that spouse that you really invest in that primary relationship, that the big relationship, whether it's your best friend, your spouse, whatever it is, because you need to have one of those. You need to have one of those primary responsive primary relationships because it's out of those primary relationships that all the rest of your relationships thrive. You have to have at least one relationship you give everything to that you really move into and say, this is going to be the big one. And then we learn what relationships are really like when they get very intimate and close. We must sacrifice the lower urges for the higher calling. We have to sacrifice the first floor for the calling from the third floor, the upward call, not the downward distracting call, the upward focusing call. And I can't tell you what it is for your life. The Holy Spirit will tell you, but I'll guarantee you this, you have been uniquely crafted with your giftings to fulfill that calling. God's not going to call you to do something you're not fit for. What I mean by that is if uh, Wendy and I were we're uh, swimming with the turtles last week, and it kind of scares you at first. You're kind of snorkeling along, and all of a sudden there's this huge turtle next to you, and it's, ooh, you know, it's a, kind of a... Anybody else here swim with turtles? I'm talking about it. It's just like, wow. It's, it's quite, a, quite an experience. 
And they're so graceful underwater. They'll just come right up next to you. And then occasionally they crawl up on the sand to rest. And they are so awkward on the sand. With their, their paddles, they can barely move. And what they're made for is swimming around in the, in the water. God is not going to call you to spend 90% of your time with flippers on the sand, just dragging yourself around. Most of us will never do what Jen is able to do up here. Some of us can, with training, do those things. It's a matter of focus. My focus is the Bible. And I just have been so focused on the Bible since I was very young. And now I'm getting opportunities to help translate the Bible from the original languages into these new translations. Why? Because I've been so focused on it for so long. You can't get there in two years. It takes decades of focus to get to that point. We have to sacrifice the lower urges for the higher calling. And we have those decisions to make every day. So often it's like, am I going to follow the higher calling or am I going to follow the distractions? Am I just going to check Facebook and sit there for two hours and see what everybody's posting? Or am I going to actually get good at something? Am I going to actually be focused on something? Am I going to just uh, uh, watch every single episode of Seinfeld over and over and over? Or am I going to, I mean, and Seinfeld is funny. I like watching it, but you watch it over and over and over, or are we going to get focused on something? I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying don't have recreation. We're supposed to do things that are just fun. There's time for Nick at night or whatever it is. That's fine. But we don't want to sacrifice the focus for that. So let's look at Romans 8. We looked at this in our prayer meeting, and I want to show you about the battle between the third floor and the first floor, the spirit and the flesh. Now, the flesh includes the demonic. It includes the distracting. It includes all the voices that are calling from you. And I think I would add the basement to this one, too. The basement is just those nasty things that are happening around us. They're just awful. There's bad stuff out there, just dark, bad stuff. Last night, I was, uh, I was lying in bed, and I heard a screech outside, because on Main Street, you hear funny things. And I heard a car slamming on its brakes and hitting another car. And it was a parked car. And I heard the car then backing up and screeching up Main Street, running away. And I, it was at least a block away, so I have no idea where he hit the car. But that's just dark stuff. That's, just, that's, not, that's not just a mistake. That's, yeah, and it's just really bad. There's dark stuff out there. So there's the first floor, and there's also the basement, which we don't want to deal with. So let's look at uh, Romans 8. I'm going to look at verse 5. You want to follow along with Romans 8. We're going to look at the key verses here on what I'm talking about. Why this is the Mount Everest of the New Testament. For those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh, which is which floor? Which floor? First floor. There we go. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Set our minds. What are we setting our minds on? Are we setting our minds on... The Holy Spirit guiding us through the day? Or are we setting it on all the different things the world's expecting us to do? But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Who wants more life and peace in your life? Want more life and peace in our life? It's a byproduct of focus. It's a byproduct of shutting down some of those voices. My dad was a CB radio nut. Who is old enough here to remember CB radios? Uh, some of you even probably had a handle 
at some time. You had a, a name that you had. And so he, he always had his CB radio. And if it was too noisy out there, he'd turn the squelch up, which would silence all but the clearest of the voices. And sometimes I wish I came with a squelch knob so I could silence all of those other voices so I could focus on the Holy Spirit. And the word of God is like a squelch knob. We spend time in the Bible. It's amazing what can happen. Let's go to verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you, giving life to us in our bodies. We feel fully alive when we're focused. It feels wonderful. Ask any Olympic athlete who is just ex excelling right now. They've, there's a great joy in that. There's a great joy in focus. When we start to, it's like sinking nine free, free throws in a row. You just feel like you're in the zone, whatever it is. You just feel like you're really, this is what I was made to do. It's like you hit a tuning fork and it has a certain tone to it. Which you're like that tuning fork. And when it strikes, you're doing, you're vibrating to that thing that you were made to do. And you're doing a really good job of it. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We get a sense that we belong with the Creator when we're listening to the Spirit and squelching out the voices of distraction. Verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We start to sense and feel like we belong to God. The more focused we are, the closer we feel to God. The more distracted we are, the, the less we feel God's presence. You say, I don't feel God's presence, but yeah, you're being pulled in 17 different directions. And it's so easy to start our days without doing that. Lou Minoni, who's probably watching on TV right now, occasionally says, Alice, you're not with the program today, are you? And I always, what he means by the program is, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Because he starts every day with a prayer in the morning, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do today. He says, when I do that, and he almost always does it, his day goes really, really well. And he was able through the recession and through a whole bunch of other stuff to really prosper during times when real estate people weren't prospering. And he was doing that because the Holy Spirit was continuing to guide him. And he's probably one of the least stressed out people I've ever seen. There's a lot of life in him. And there's a lot of life in him because he says that simple prayer. It's not complicated theology. It's as simple as saying, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do today. Keep me focused. Keep me on track. Help me squelch out the distractions. We have a sense that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. It's not a water slide. It's, it, it's not a water slide ride here. It's, it's challenging to follow God, but when we have the Holy Spirit guiding us, we can do it. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ask God. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called, third floor, those who are called according to his purpose. If we're following the voice from the third floor, everything is going to work for good. 
it doesn't all work for good if we're following the distractions. It can lead to destruction and all kinds of terrible stuff. So Romans 8, I would just recommend reading it over and over until you start to understand what, what Paul is talking about. The battlefield is on the second floor. The battlefield is in the mind. Which voice are we going to listen to? Bob Dylan has a fantastic song that says, you're going to have to serve somebody. I think you won a Grammy with that or something, or Nobel Prize or literature, some whatever, but you really do have to follow some voice. Because we don't generate internally direction. We have to get our direction from the outside. So which voice are we going to listen to? So some practicalities. Let's look at some of those. Be aware of the demons, distractions, grabbing your wheel. What kind of things grab your wheel and keep you from paying attention to what's going on? I've really kind of stopped listening to the radio when I'm driving by myself because I found it's distracting. And besides, if you're listening to news, no matter what political view you have, it's also biased that I have to try to sort it out when I'm listening to it. And it just gets tiring. And I'm thinking, what in the world should I, what's really going on here? And I found if I just turn the radio off, that I can just do a whole lot better when I'm driving. There's lots of ways to be aware of the distractions and how they get you. You get sucked into two hours of social media every day. You get sucked into watching uh, endless Netflix and Hulu. What, what is it that we get pulled into that keeps us away from focus in our lives? What keeps us from staying fit? What keeps us from eating healthy? What keeps us from having good relationships? Those voices that call to us. I've got a chocolate demon that calls to me and just uh, says, eat chocolate now. And I know that that's not, uh, that's not the Holy Spirit. Next one. Get to know all the floors of your house. Become aware of how you're put together. Be familiar with your own home your own self. Know how the Holy Spirit talks to you. Know what kind of stuff lives on the first floor. Know how to keep the door to the first floor shut. Uh, pay attention to what's going on. Knowing what's there. Next slide. Cultivate a Spirit-filled life. Paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Listening to the Holy Spirit. And this might be new for some of you. I grew up in a church in Kellogg, Idaho. Wonderful church, wonderful church, but nobody ever talked about listening to the Holy Spirit. They talked about the Bible and they talked about sending missionaries and they were great, wonderful, warm people, but nobody ever said that God talked to them because that would be weird. And people, some people say, well, I just read the Bible. I don't want to listen for God's voice. I'm saying, well, it's, in reading the Bible that I realize it's all written by people who hear God's voice. <laughs> so it's just, it makes no sense to me that we wouldn't listen to God's voice. And we have to cultivate an ear for that, for listening. If you wanted to, if you were really bored by this sermon, you could sit here and three or four times, at least during the sermon, you could hear jets taking off from John Wayne Airport. Most of you haven't heard any of them. It takes focus to hear them. The Bible talks about a still, small voice that takes some practice to listen for. We have to be tuning in our radios to pay attention to that. Next, pick one thing. Pick one thing and get really, really good at it. Whether that's 
playing guitar or learning a skill or learning a language or getting healthier, whatever it happens to be, pick one thing to focus on. Pick one good thing to focus on that you know the Lord wouldn't mind if he focused on it and get good at that. Get good at paying attention. Get your, make sure your diet gets better. Um, work on your, your fitness. Uh, we're going to talk next week about making one room in your house really beautiful. Get focused on something that, do some gardening. Do something really, really well, like Joan does with gardening. Pick one thing. And if it's hard, just remember, failing is better than quitting. It's really okay to pick something hard and not be good at it right away. Most things worth their salt take a long time to learn. You can't pick up a language. I, I love these, these ads. Uh, these ads are going, learn Hebrew in seven days. I'm thinking, yeah, right. That's, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You, it takes practice to do these things. Pick one thing. Failing is better than quitting. Number five, let's say you want to develop a career as a lawyer or a doctor or some higher education thing that really takes focus. In any human system, you will find corruption on the way. And you just have to live with it. It's going to be in every single system. No matter what system you're in, you're going to have people at the top. Once they get to the top, they start to do everything they can to protect that position, and they start to use that and get lazy and keep other people out. It happens in the church. It happens in education. It happens in the break room. It happens wherever you go, wherever you work there will be corruption. And don't let that keep you from managing your way up the, up the scale. You have to kind of expect that. I've seen people who want to master something and they quit part of the way because they think, okay, I'm running into bad people. Well, you're going to. Who thinks Jesus ran into a few people like that? All the time. Ran into corruption wherever he went. It's going to happen. If you run into corruption and roadblocks on your, in your calling to become something really focused, don't take that as evidence that you're on the wrong path. It's generally evidence that you're on the right path. You're going to, in this world, you will have opposition. And there is no human system without corruption. There just isn't. And if you want to find your way into a human system, which is, let's say you wanted to get into local politics in Huntington Beach, do you think there might be some corruption in there? A little bit of complexity. Matt could tell you all about it. He reports on Huntington Beach. Does that mean don't get involved? No, if you're called to get involved, get involved, but expect that. Expect to run into that. Expect to have some trouble along the way. John's a CPA. I'm sure in the CPA world, you run into corruption from time to time. You have this part of the deal. Just don't be colored by it. Don't be changed by it. Keep your values as you move up the music world. Who, for goodness sake. Don't even get you started. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, Alan, I'm sure you're watching from Lake Tahoe today. Uh, you're out there in the entertainment world, and it's challenging. It's really challenging to work your way into that. Wendy? Yes. Have a plan as to what you're going to say when you run into corruption so you don't have to deal with it at that point. Have some boundaries. What I'm going to say, what I'm going to do, and what I'm not going to do. And you might be bounced out of the system for it. You might have to start over. That's how that works. But don't take corruption as a sign that you're not supposed to be there. Because some of us are called into medicine or, or law or politics or one of those big complicated hierarchies. 
Yeah, Daniel. He balanced it perfectly. He was in the hierarchy all the way to the top. And Joseph, same thing. He worked his way into the system, learned how to be loyal to his boss without compromising his stuff. Colin Powell, I got to see one of his lectures uh, through the university I work with. And it was just a real fun, exclusive thing to be invited to. And I was listening to one of his lectures and somebody asked him, what was your biggest moral failure uh, in your whole political military career? Was it the Iraq thing when you tried to convince people, what was it, weapons of mass destruction or what was it? He says, no. He says, that's easy. He says, as I rose in the military, I could have helped people along the way with a stroke of a pen. But I never looked behind me. I just looked ahead of me. And the people I passed up on the way up, I ignored. And I could have taken young, energetic, gifted people and saved them years of climbing by giving them an, a recommendation, by putting their name in. And says, I just didn't do it. That was his biggest moral failure. But at least he's aware of it. He became more corrupt as he went up the ladder, and he was, admits it. So pay attention to that. Next one. Pray for integration and single-mindedness. Pray to be single-minded. Pray for more folks. Lord, give me more focus today. Give me more focus today. There is no medication that will give you this. And those of us who struggle with focus, there's no way that's going to happen. You need to pray for that and cultivate that. Cultivating single-mindedness. If, you, if you've got ADHD and you take meds for it, you might have to. That's fine, but it won't give you the focus. <laughs> it, it might help you with distraction, but you still have to cultivate the focus to get where you need to go. Seven, up your commitment to Christian community life. Go on the Alpha course. Interact with people. Volunteer like you guys have been volunteering in the morning, setting things up. There's something about getting involved with other believers that helps bring us into focus. If we're out there by ourselves, just kind of dangling around, that won't happen. I'm going to close with this verse and invite the worship team back up. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded. This is Paul writing. Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. I am single-minded. Single-mindedness. Let's cultivate that together, for the Lord is one. I'd invite you to pray with me. And let's end. Lord, we're here this morning because we want to cultivate single-mindedness. That's why we come to church. That's why we watch church on our screens. That's why we tune in every day to the Bible teachings, Lord. We want to cultivate closeness to you. And the closer we get to you, the closer we get to unity of mind, because you are a singularity. You are unified. You are integrated. There's no confusion in you. And Lord, the closer we get to you, the more we focus on these things, Lord, the, the more joy in life we have in our lives. And Lord, uh, I cannot tell people what to focus on, but your Holy Spirit will start to trigger people right now and start to give them pieces of uh, what to focus on. Focus on one thing and get better and better at it and learn that uh, stick-to-itiveness and overcoming challenges. Lord, I pray for a focused 
day and a focused week for everybody here. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be single-minded, that we would set our face like flint and do what you would have us do, that we'd be really good at turning off the distractions, that we become aware of those distractions so we can call them by name and, uh, and shut them down when they come. So, Lord, we just pray for uh, more life and more joy, and we know that comes from getting closer to you. We give you thanks, Lord, for your son who forgave us of our, of our sins so that we can move on and get beyond that and move into our calling. For you've taken away the penalty, Lord, of, uh, of sin. But now, Lord, it's, uh, it's time for the second chapter, time to, to step into what you would have us do. So I pray that you would speak to all of us. Give us all an opportunity this week, every morning, to say, Holy Spirit, guide my day. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All things are possible when we chains are breakable when we receive Yahweh you keep your promises if you said it we believe it if you said it if you said it we believe it If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man of your word. When we believe, all chains are breakable. When we receive Yahweh, you keep your promises. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, if you said it, we believe it.
You're present in every step, patient in every heartache. God, you have never failed. You won't stop with me. We have this confidence. You finish what you started. God, you have never failed. You won't stop with me. You're present in every step, patient with every heartache. God, you have never failed. You won't stop with me. If you said it, we believe it. God, that you are a man of your word. You are a God of your word. You keep your promises. And you finish what you started in us. And you're faithful to help us every day to, um, to start and finish well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you empower us to do um, what you've called us to do, just as House was saying. Nothing is impossible with you. You're still breaking old chains and new chains. You are the God of possibilities. You are God of miracles. Um, thank you for this wonderful message today, God, um, that has empowered us to grow and to transform through the Holy Spirit working inside of us daily. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I had a, uh, when I had my radio show, I had a guest from England, and he wrote a book. I think it was called Church for Atheists. He's an atheist himself. He says, I want to be a believer, and I hope to be someday, but he just couldn't get there. But he goes to church every week. And I asked him, well, why do you go to church every week? He says, because I want to come to faith. He says, I really do. And he says, that's the place to do it. And he says, and it gives me the sense of focus every week. There's something about coming to church and showing up and spending that hour focusing on God who is one. And just uh, putting aside the rest of the week to do that. If it works for atheists, I think it probably work pretty well for believers too. So it, uh, it just uh, it helps a lot. So anyways, I would just like to, to bless you with a spirit of undistractability, if I could do that. Just, uh, it, it'll probably wear off after a while. You'll probably need another, another coating. But i uh, just like to do that right now. So just reach out your hands and, uh, and receive. Lord, I just want to pray a, a spirit of undistractability on people, Lord, that, uh, that they will have a, a special anointing of focus this week. Lord, and they'll get joy in it. And that joy will start to create more focus. And more focus will create more joy. And Lord, uh, people are going to find uh, that groove in life where things just start to work better. So I pray for more of that for each one of us. For me too, Lord. I give you thanks for those times in my life when I've been especially focused. Because that's where the joy has been. We pray for that joy in those key relationships where we're focused on the person we're talking to. That joy, Lord, in prayer where we're worshiping you and we're getting closer to you. That joy, Lord, in achievement when we do things that are hard, that take a long time to learn. And that joy, Lord, that uh, only you can give. So give us that spirit of undistractability. We pray all this in Jesus' name who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Have a great week, and please hang around for a while. Don't put away the food yet. Just grab something to snack on and go talk to somebody you don't know that well and say, hi, my name's such and such, and I'm glad you're here. And uh, let's go grab a cup of tea together or something like that. So let's have a great week. We'll see you next week. Oh, we're going to. Probably right now. <laughs>